pray for peace and plead for grace. We bow our knees in humbleness. We cry to God to heal our land, forgive our sins, and cleanse our hands. In God we trust, in God alone. We put our faith in Him who sits on heaven's throne. Though men of earth will rise and fall, our only hope is in the Lord of all. In God we trust, we trust in God alone. Oh, let us rest in God's control and honor those he put in power for hearts of kings are in his hands all nations turn at his command protect the weak established law honor the right punish the wrong let this be true of those who lead O men of faith now intercede in god we trust in god alone we put our faith in him who sits on heaven's throne though men of earth will rise and fall our only hope is in the lord of all in god we trust we trust in god alone if persecution soon will come help me to stand if all alone and though my life he may call forth god's kingdom is not of this earth in god we trust in god alone we put our faith in him who sits on heaven's throne though men of earth will rise and fall our only hope is in the lord of all in god we trust we that amen man take our bibles turn over to the book of galatians chapter 5 today see those 
See those young men up there singing that song and they may die for their faith. That just gets to me. Because that's the direction we're going in America. And I know that sounds kind of radical and nuts. But man, I'll tell you what, we're seeing crazy things in our world. And we know what the Bible teaches about our faith down the road. Those young men, if God gives them the life that, say, my dad has or some of your parents have had, they more than likely will see it. If not in our own lifetime, they'll see it. And I'm telling you, that song's going to have to mean something. More than just a song to them. Boy, I tell you what, it's, I don't know, it, it seems to me that our Christianity as a whole is being watered down. And I'm not talking about just that we believe that Jesus died for us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our willingness to come apart from the world and be ye separate. And stand out in the midst of a world that's in darkness and be that shining light. And say, I'm willing to accept anything that comes my way. I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going to remain steadfast, unmovable no matter what. And these young men are singing those songs. And man, I'll tell you what, it, it kind of gets to me. I think about that. And I think, wow, they're going to they're gonna be tested on those things. And you know, we're being tested too. But, you know, we've got to stand strong for the Lord. Galatians chapter 5, speaking of that, uh, we're talking about, you know, we think about Independence Day. We're thinking about being free. And so I kind of went to the scriptures and I found a passage that addresses that issue of freedom. And so over here in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to begin there. Just read one verse and then I'm going to try to give you a little bit of background uh, to the passage and then just make a very brief application. And again, I appreciate you being here on this weekend. I know a lot of people are traveling and they're saying it's I mean, well, I hope people catch their flights because they're saying a lot of flights are being canceled and I know folks are traveling around the country. We've got people that are going to be driving all over the place and uh, just pray for their safety. But you're here and I appreciate that. And maybe you're listening via the live stream. We're glad you're with us today. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The Apostle Paul in this particular passage, of course, is writing to the church at Galatia, and in this passage he makes the, or says a word that is just a bombshell. He uses the word free, free. You got to understand that Paul is writing mostly to slaves. See, Romans' iron heel ground most men into the mud. Even as he penned these particular words, Roman soldiers could be heard walking past his door and their voices piercing through the streets as they yelled out their cold and callous commands. Most of Paul's converts were slaves originally. Christianity took its first steps. It was firmly grounded among slaves. If millions of people in those days shared one great, one common desire, it was the desire to be free. During the long years of their bondage in Egypt, the Hebrews had but one desire, to be free. 
in Babylon, 50,000 Jews rose up in a single, as a single person at the chance to be free when Cyrus gave his decree. The Maccabees fought the Syrians to a standstill in order to be free. In Paul's day, the zealots fought until Jerusalem was literally reduced to rubble and the temple was just a heap of smoking ruin in order to be free. Throughout history, the desire for and the dream of freedom has driven men and women to give their all their very lives. Sir Francis Drake, he took a handful of tiny ships to fight Spain's mighty armada. Why? Because Englishmen were determined to remain free. The American colonies fought against their motherland to be free. During the American Civil War, brother fought brother over the right of men to be free. In the last century, America stood firm in resisting the staunch, the staunch stand of the Third Reich in order to preserve freedom, to be free. See, Paul struck a very powerful chord. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Again, Paul was writing to a people who, whatever their physical and material state had been, they had been freed spiritually by Jesus Christ. The very word that he used for free in the passage spoke volumes. It spoke of being liberated from slavery and given freedom. The Greeks had this roundabout way of securing freedom for a slave. A god supposedly purchased the, the liberated slave. A god, a little g-god, mind you. The slave provided the money, the... But, but we remember, a slave had no legal standing, therefore they couldn't purchase themselves, so their master paid the appropriate amount into the temple treasury on the slave's behalf. A document bearing the words for freedom was then executed. Then as a result of all of that, because the slave was now the property of a god, nobody could enslave him again. I find that interesting because then we hear Paul saying, free. You've been purchased. You've been bought with a price. You're the property of the Son of God. Nobody has a right to enslave you again. Which, of course, that's just what the Judaizers and those that were trying to bring these believers back under the law were trying to do. They were trying to bind Christ's free men and free women with the chains of the law, with man-made rules and regulations of religion. Therefore, Paul cries out, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand firm. Plant your feet. The listeners, the hearers of those words in that day would have obviously gone to their the, the, the Roman army at that point, they would have thought about how Rome fought their battles and how they warred. When Rome would face the wild and ruthless enemy hordes, the Romans would lock their shields together. They would take a stand there. They planted their feet firmly on the ground. And they would create this iron wall of steel. And as the enemy would charge, they would plant their feet firm and they would not budge. 
Boy, I'll tell you what, these Judaizers, and often we would refer to them as legalists, were putting on the heat now. They were using all the pressure they could in order to capture these, to recapture these believers in Christ. And Paul's saying, you stand fast. Don't give in. Plant your feet firmly in the truth of the gospel. Don't allow anyone or anything to bring you back into bondage, whether it be the law itself or whether it be your pagan practices of the past. Don't let anything or anyone bring you back into bondage because you have been bought with a price. You're free men and women in the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 36, the Bible says, The Son If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I wonder today, have you been freed from your sin? Has Jesus Christ liberated you? We have a declaration in America, and we say it was on July the 4th, and we we celebrate that declaration. We celebrate the fact that we... We claim to be independent at that point. Free from the, uh, 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 the, the pressure and the, the authority of another government. We say we are independent. And today as a believer, we are free from any authority outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our independence, if you will, from the world and separation from it is a direct result of His work in our life and well, I'll tell you what, if you are in your sin and you've not been freed, you're in a mess. So what do we do in order to be free then? We're talking about these Galatians. We're talking about these believers, these Jewish believers, and some of them even these Roman believers who found themselves uh, coming out of a pagan society and a pagan rulership, and, and they, they, they were exercising pagan religious rights, and here they are now, saved, and these Judaizers show up and say, you got to go back under the law. you got to be circumcised. You've got to follow after all of these festivals and feasts that once were, were, were a requirement of the law. If you don't do that, you can't possibly be saved. And Paul say, no, 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 you are in Christ Jesus, and your salvation is secure in him alone. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's already done for you. Don't go back under bondage. Don't allow yourself to be tricked into believing somehow that you're missing out on something or that you need something other than Jesus. He is enough. He is all and all. So what must we do in order to be free? Well, I want to give you just a couple things today just about that. And then I want to ask the question, you know, I want to talk about, you know, how to get those chains to come off. And then I want to just real briefly talk about how to keep them off. Okay? So let's go ahead and and have a quick word of prayer. And and then we'll, we'll, we'll move along in our service. Father, thank you for these that have gathered today. Lord, we thank you for all you've done for us. And Lord, we are grateful, Father, for the testimony of Scripture that how how you can take that and apply it to us. And 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 the principles of the Word of God are the key. And we thank you so much for them. Lord, today we need you, and I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and allow me to be your mouthpiece. I, I ask that you'd be with every one here that's listening and those that are maybe by way of a live stream listening. I pray that you would 
Anoint their ears that they may hear with spiritual ears. Plant the word of God deep in our hearts. And Lord, just uh, put a hedge about us that the devil cannot come along and steal that word. And Father, just bless this service now. We turn it over to you. We thank you so much. The choir just, Lord, what a powerful, powerful song. And they did it with uh, amazingly. Lord, we thank you so much for that. We thank you, Father, for that group that got up and shared that song of inspiration as well. And Lord, our hearts have been already moved, and we ask that you would move us from your word, and that, Father, the, the Spirit of God would move in our midst, that, Lord, you would do a mighty work in our hearts and lives today. We can do nothing without you. So we commit the service into your hands and ask you to take control and charge of it. And, Father, do what only you can in our hearts and lives. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So, what, what, are, what are you to do? What am I to do in order to be free then? Well, first of all, the chains come off when we acknowledge his existence. That's the first thing. The chains come off when we acknowledge his existence. The Bible says right off the bat in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God. Amen. Now listen, that is under attack today like never before in our nation. I mean, the, the literal existence of God, just the fact that he exists. I mean, the idea that there is a God that, as we know, then goes on to say that in the beginning God created, that is under attack. We, th there are those who are trying diligently to undermine that truth on a regular basis. Our media, uh, our educational system, the, 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 the God of this world, little g-God, is always trying to direct our attention somewhere else to give credit to someone or something else other than God. But may I say that the chains will never come off until you acknowledge his existence. In Psalm 86.10, the psalmist says, For thou art great and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Thou art God alone. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. In James chapter 2, verse 19, he goes on to say, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. But, but hold on, he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, The devils also believe and tremble. Oh, it's a good start, though. Hold on. There's no doubt the chains will never come off until we acknowledge the, acknowledge the existence of God. And you say, well, I'm not sure if I believe that there's a God. My friend, then you probably, without a doubt, are still in your chains and you need freed. However, just because you believe there's a God, just because you can say, I believe in G-O-D, big G, little O, and little D, just because you say that is not enough to ensure that the chains have come off. No, that's a good start. Because even the devils, the Bible says, believe that. So what else then? Well, the chains come off when we accept his authority. So we first acknowledge his existence, then we must accept his authority in our life. Turn to Psalm chapter 2, would you? Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We're going to look at that. Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> Boy, authority is under attack in our world too, isn't it? My, oh my. And let's be honest, there's been so much abuse of authority. There's been corruption of authority. 
There's all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't listen to authority or obey authority today. If we really look hard enough, we can all find excuses why, well, I shouldn't obey that one because people like that abuse authority. I shouldn't do that because people like that have wrecked and ruined authority. I, I can't believe it because they're not qualified to be authority. I mean, all, all of us have reasons why we, there's no, you know, that teacher shouldn't be in the position they are in. That sergeant shouldn't be where he's at or she's at. Uh, that that uh, boss shouldn't be in charge over here. And that husband shouldn't be able to tell his family what to do because he's an idiot and, and blah, blah, blah. We've always got reasons, right? I mean, there's always a reason why authority should not be followed in our finite mind. And unfortunately, that's exactly what the little G God of this world is trying to do in the minds of men and women. Look what it says here in Psalm chapter 2, because we see here a, a summary or a picture of what's taking place. He says, why do the heathen rage and, a, and, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now notice these are so-called authorities themselves. They rule over people and nations. And the, God is pointing out here that these, these heathen rulers, these heathen nations, these people are saying to themselves, Listen, Let's get together and figure out a way to cast off God's authority, to get rid of that authority, to say, we don't have to obey his anointed Jesus Christ. We don't have to receive and accept him into our life. He's a nobody to us. We have every right to be our own God, so to speak. Let's break their bands asunder. Notice again, he's saying, let's go ahead and break the, 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 the chains of, of oppression that God puts on us. Let's be free men. That's what they're saying. And their solution to freedom is get rid of God. Their answer is not to deal with their sin and self. It's to say get rid of God who makes us feel guilty and God who puts a, 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 won't allow us to express ourselves the way we want to express ourselves and do the things that we really feel at nature to do. Let me tell you, you let mankind do whatever mankind feels like doing whenever it feels like doing it, this world and society and culture will go totally amok. And may I say, we see evidence of it all around us all the time. And yet one day when Jesus Christ returns at the rapture and takes the church out, the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit leaves, literally hell is unleashed on earth. Why? Because the desires and the heart of man will end up way back there like it was even in Genesis chapter 6 and even worse. Because now there's no one holding back the evil. No one holding back the tide. Man, mankind is a mess. The only hope we have of any peace, the only hope we have of any hope at all, the only hope we have of, 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 of freedom, if you will, is Jesus Christ. Freedom from this flesh and freedom from these desires and freedom from this sin that so controls us. Because he's God, we must submit to his will. I mean, if the chains are going to come off, then we have to acknowledge his existence. We must accept his authority in our life. And his authority is expressed to us how? Through his word. I'm just waiting on God to speak to me. Well, stop waiting and open the Bible. 
I mean, we got to be, you know, let's, you know, this whole thing, everybody's a God in of themselves today. You know, everybody's an authority themselves. I, I can't, what, 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 the Bible? A pastor? I can't trust anything. I can only trust myself and God, the one seated up there. Oh, really? Well, he chooses not to talk to you that way. He chooses to talk to you through this. It's funny how he talks to me through this, but you think he talks to you a different way. Wait a second. Anybody know Christ as their Savior around here? What does he say about the Word? Jesus Christ is the Word. You want to hear from Jesus Christ, you've got to get in the Word. Because you can't, be in, you can't get a hold of Jesus without the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He goes on to say, ultimately, that then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus Christ. You want to get a hold of Christ, you better get a hold of His Word. You can't circumvent God by waiting on Him. You can't take God out of it and then say, I want to hear from God. The Word of God's the key. And He's the authority. Therefore, that's where we're going to hear the truth. The chains come off when we acknowledge his existence, when we accept his authority, and finally, when we apply his word. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Man, it's, 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 it's not difficult, it's not complicated to get this sin issue dress, addressed and dealt with. The fact is, is that the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he literally took his place on Calvary. He died for your sin and mine. The fact is, is that you and I are sinners and the wages of sin is death. That means that we're going to die physically and that means we're going to die spiritually to be cast into the place called the lake of fire to be separated from ever from God in, the pla- in that place. Let me tell you something. It's not complicated. Again, it's not hard, but you have to believe his word and you have to apply it to your life. And the word says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And as we said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you admitted and acknowledged your sin before a holy God and invited him into your life and asked him to be your savior? Can you go back in a time and a place when you felt that conviction of the Holy Spirit and he drew you unto himself? Where you knew that if I don't accept him, if I die today, I'm going to split hell wide open? Do you remember that? And you said, you know what? I am not going to take a chance. I'm trusting him today. He's drawing me and I'm going to decide for him today. You know what? You say, I've never done that. I've never felt that. My friend, then you're not saved. You are still bound by your sin. You're still in the chains. You are not free. You may feel free. I'm not going to submit to God. I'm not going to put myself under his authority. Then I'll have to give up some things in my life. I want to be free to do what I want to do. Sounds like Psalms chapter 2. That's not freedom. Freedom is not living the way you choose to live. Freedom is having your sin addressed and dealt with and not having to deal with guilt and shame anymore and knowing that you are free indeed in Jesus Christ and that if you close your eyes in death today, you are able to make a way to heaven and you're not stuck in a place called hell the rest of your days. Man, I'll tell you what, if freedom is just simply drinking beer and boozing around and getting high and fooling around in, your, uh, in, 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 in immoral activity, my friend, that is not freedom, that is bondage, whether you understand that or not. 
you go ahead and just walk on down to the haven of rest with me and let's talk to some men that have chosen to follow their own direction and go their own way. Ask them if they feel free today. Talk to some of these movie stars and some of the people who have all the money and have everything that they want. Wine, women, and song. And see if they feel free today. We give this idea to our young people sometimes and it's on the television sets and it's, it's in our world today and it's even in our churches where somehow that as long as you've got money and you've got things, you're really free to do what you want. You've got this comfort level. Now you can relax. And let me tell you, if Jesus isn't the one you're holding on to, like our Sunday school lesson taught today, if he's not the anchor of your soul, then friend, you are in bondage and you are enslaved to your sin and there's no freedom there at all. The chains stay off when we, excuse me, the chains come off when we acknowledge his existence, when we accept his authority, and finally we apply his word and we receive and accept him as Savior and Lord of our life. Boy, you need to do that if you haven't. You need to settle that. Now, now that we're saved, though, if you've put your faith in Christ, What must we do in order to remain free from the bondage and enslavement of sin and self? Because I understand that doctrinally speaking, I know what's going on in the book of Galatians. There are people that are trying to bring these believers back under the law. They're trying to say, listen, it's a do's and don'ts thing. If you do this, then you're saved. If you don't do this, you're not saved. Now, wait a second. That is not how we live our Christian lives. Hey, listen, we don't throw away the Bible because we got saved. Liberty and freedom in Christ isn't neglect morality and don't do the things that are right. Instead, you have a freedom to do what's wrong. That's not what he's talking about. He didn't dismiss the Ten Commandments. He didn't say that thou shalt not steal is no longer required. No, because you're a Christian, you should more than ever not want to steal because you're a representative of Jesus Christ. As was mentioned in our Go Rally yesterday, you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So therefore, you should more than ever want to be clean and live a life that is exemplary before the world. It's a Christ-like life so that people can see him and not you. But we're not to go back to those beggarly elements. We're not to go back and say, well, it's what we do that gets us to heaven. No, it's never what we do. It's always what he's done. But once we've come to Christ, how is it that we keep those chains off? Because although we may never lose our salvation, we can be brought back into bondage in a sense, can't we? Well, the chains stay off when we remember where we come from. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Man, I'll tell you what, every believer today needs to remember where you came from. That you were literally a sinner and separated from God. The fact is, is that not only that, but the Bible says you were dead to God because of your sin. And he quickened you and he made you alive. Don't forget the life that you were living. Don't forget how you felt in the midst of that hopelessness. Don't forget where you used to be. Oh, I know people are like, we need to forget the past. Like the Bible says in, 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 the, in the Word of God, we got to forget those things which are behind. That's right. It's not talking about 
things that will help to move you forward and keep you from falling. It's talking about those things that hold you back from your growth in the Christian life. Let me tell you what, you forget where you came from, you stop being grateful for what God's done. That's a real problem, we'll get to that one in a minute. But it's important that we remember where we came from. Do you remember how it used to be before you knew Christ? Do you remember how messed up life could be? Do you remember how shameful you felt and how nasty you felt and how sinful you felt and how hopeless you felt? I want those kids removed out of that area and take them into either into the nursery or out into the other four, please. The chains stay off when we remember where we've come from. The psalmist in chapter 8, verse 4 said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? When we remember that we were a big zero, we're nothing. And yet Jesus Christ loved us enough to die for us and pay for our sin. That he willingly left all the glory. That he gave up all the riches of glory. And he became poor so that you and I could be rich in him. Man, when we remember that, that's important. That'll help to keep us from being or falling back into bondage and slavery again to sin. See, the chains stay off when we remember where we've come from. The chains stay off when we remember what he's done. And again, we, we were sinners and we deserve nothing but hell. And now here we are. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Look at what happened in our lives. This is amazing. It goes beyond just being, oh, I'm saved. It goes beyond that. Look what this passage teaches us in Ephesians 2 verse 4. We came from a place where we were dead in sin and he quickened us. I understand that. That's good, Ephesians 2, 1. But look at Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy. When it says he's rich in mercy, what it means is that he's rich in the fact that he doesn't give us what we deserve. He never gave us what we deserved. For his great love wherewith he loved us. So, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Watch this. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you realize what he's saying? You know what he's done? He literally took you and me who are sinners deserving hell. And instead of casting us into the lake of fire, he's literally placed us into the body of Christ. And now Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And you know where I am, spiritually speaking? I'm there with him. Do you know why I don't have to worry about where I'll spend one, whether I'll spend one moment in hell or not? Because I'm really only here in flesh, body, but my, I'm really securing Christ already in heaven. Do you get that? I mean, do you understand what he's done for us? He's taking us literally from all the way over here and he's placed us all the way over here. I mean, it's not even close. You, you couldn't get back there if you tried because now you'd have to escape out of the body of Christ. You're not big enough to do that, neither am I. So not only did he quicken us and make us alive in Christ, but then he placed us in the body and now we're seated at the right hand of the Father in him. Man, that is an elevated position. 
We think about Joseph, who was cast into a pit, who ultimately was sold into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house. False accusations are made. He's cast into prison. But before it's all said and done, here he is guiding and directing all of Egypt. That's every one of us in Christ. That's every one of us. That's what he's done for you. He's taken you out of the pit. He's taken you out of the enslavement of the, the prison of Satan and the prison of sin. And he's, he's rescued you and he has literally salvaged and saved you. And he's put you on the throne with the Lord Jesus. What has God done? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Why would you even consider me? Why would you do any of this, let alone put me next to you in Christ Jesus? My salvation is secure in him, not me, not in my deeds, not in my own effort, not in my ability. It's all Christ. Man, how do you keep from going back into bondage? How do we stay, how do we keep those chains off of us? Even once we've been released from the bondage of sin, and we've been saved by the blood of Christ. How do we keep from going back under it? How do we keep from falling back into the old ways? How do we keep from beginning to believe somehow that there must be something I must do to be saved? Well, remember where you come from and remember what he's done. And number three, the chains stay off when we choose to continue in Christ. There has to be a conscious decision made to do these things, to follow his word, to obey his will. It's not something that just happens. I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to tell me. I'm waiting for God to reveal to me what he wants me to do next. Wait, 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 wait a second. But you're not in church. I'm just waiting to see what God's going to tell me to do. Well, he's already told you what to do. Get yourself in church. That's, you don't have to pray about it. I mean, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 is pretty clear. Matter of fact, let's turn over there, and I want you to read, I want us to read not only that verse, I want us to read the verse before it. That's a, that's a novel idea. Because we, we rarely read the verse before it. Notice what it says. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, I don't know about you, but when those young men were up here singing, I, I'll be honest with you, I was provoked unto love and to good works. Amen. When that choir was singing today, it provoked me to love and to good works. I, there's something about it that said, man, I, I, wanna, I need to be all in. Do you know what else provokes each other? It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know what he's saying? You just being in your place encourages others to love the Lord Jesus Christ more, to love others. As he puts here, good works. People are like, well, they won't miss me tonight. Oh, every, oh we miss you. Because, see, you're part of the encouraging process. See, it's kind of like, I'll tell you, here, here's how it works. Okay, let me, let me show you how it works. Okay, so I say, I'll tell you what. Uh, this morning, there's all of me. Tonight, just cut off an arm and a leg. 
It's no big deal. We'll have a good time. <laughs> Cut off an arm and a leg. No problem. We'll still have a good time tonight. Do you know that yesterday I couldn't have involved in I couldn't have been involved in the punt pass and kick contest, which I was in the top twenty. <laughs> I couldn't have done that without an arm and a leg. Yeah, I'd have had a hard time probably getting to the, the dinner table. I'd have had a t- hard time eating. Couldn't, couldn't carry a plate, but then again, I couldn't go in line anyway. I'd have to have somebody help me with the plate, or I'd have to be in a wheelchair somewhere, and then I'd have to have one hand, and I wouldn't have another hand to grab things. I'd have to somebody help me. It wouldn't be okay. It's, it's really not like it's all right if tonight I just lose an arm and a leg. Okay, I get it back next Sunday morning. But Sunday night, that's all right. It'll be cool. Wednesday night, we're going to take an arm, a leg, and eh, let's take off a, oh, I don't know. Let's take a hand and a foot off. So now I don't have a foot or a hand on this side. I don't have an arm. Well, an arm here, leg here, foot there, hand here. It's going to be a great service. Do you understand what the body of Christ is really about? And he's talking, this is why I say, we talk about going to church all the time. People are like, yeah, church, big deal. What's the big deal? Church, big deal. Whatever. You know what the big deal is? Is that it's hard for you to consider someone else and to provoke them to love and good works if you're not there to do it. And so they're only part of the body. You're part of the body, but there's pieces missing. Things are a mess. And then he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, it's all about others. The Christian life is really about others, isn't it? It's never about me and mine. It's about him and others. And that's the hard thing, because you know what? Let's face it. We're all selfish people, because we're humans. That's our nature. Self-preservation usually takes... I mean, what we give people big, you know, ribbons... In wartime, we give them these wonderful medals whenever they put their friends and their, their, their fellow comrades ahead of themselves. Because that's so rare. Because humans are all about self-preservation. Hey, you want to stay, you want to keep the chains off in your life? You want to keep from where you're falling back into the same sins you used to commit before you got saved? You want to be in a position where you, you, you aren't, starting to question whether or not salvation is by grace through faith, that maybe there is an element of works to it, then you know where you have to be? In God's house, in God's word, and around God's people. You've got to make a conscious decision to obey this book and the word of God. Listen, we may not be under attack of a physical enemy today like they were. I mean, the Romans didn't play around. We don't have the Judaizers today saying, you will do this, and you must do this. And oh, But we got these false teachers. We got people running around doing this stuff, too. I get it. Hey, listen, we may not be under the attack of a physical enemy like Rome or maybe even some of the Judaizers, which were very ruthless. But we are under attack by Satan and the God of this world. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, and we're going to close this down. This is, we're done. You're going to love this passage. This is really a good verse. It's just a good verse in general, and it helps to explain what's going on in our world, really. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. 
But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Watch. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They're blinded. Satan's on the attack. He's blinding people. That's why we're in the position we're in in our world. That's why things are so upside down, because the God of this world, little g God, that's what it says here. The God of this world. The world system. The political system, the economic system, the social system, the, the religious systems of the world. All of that are his. It's under him. He's the God of it, little g God. That's what the Bible's teaching. Those things all blind people to God. Why do schools teach evolution? Why does television promote ungodly ways? Because it's under the authority of the little g God of this world. Do you think if God was sitting on the throne in this world, literally on the throne in Jerusalem, that he would permit this stuff on television? That he would allow these things to take place in our school system? Absolutely not, because see, he's extending grace. You say, why don't he come down and fix all the problems? Because he might just have to leave you behind. He's giving you a chance to get right before he comes back. That's called grace. Oh, I know that there's a lot of atrocities in our world, and we'd love to see it cleaned up. But wait a second, there might be a neighbor, a loved one, a friend that needs Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's going, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just begging, that. I'm hoping and praying they'll still come to me. I'm still going to keep sending out my truth. I'm still going to keep trying to encourage them through my word. I want them to know me like you know me. And I'm going to give them a chance to do that before I return, because once I return, it's going to be rough. I'm just saying, that's the grace of God. So all those believers, as we close, they were struggling. And the apostles saying, listen, don't let anybody drag you back into that old lifestyle. Don't let anybody bring you back under the law and tell you that you've got to do something to be saved. You have already embraced Jesus Christ. And if you know him, you got it all. Don't let yourself be deceived into thinking there's someone or something better than him out there. There isn't. And today I wonder, do you know Christ? Have you truly accepted and received him as your Savior and Lord today? Are, have you been liberated, made free from the bondage and enslavement of sin? You need to settle that if you haven't today. Do it today. Be saved today. But then again, maybe you're saved. Why don't you make a conscious decision to settle not only your salvation that it's settled, but also who you're going to serve. Settle that. Make up your mind that he's worthy of your best. That after everything he's done and where I came from, he still wanted me and he still accepted me and received me. I'm going to choose now to continue in him. I'm just going to give him my best. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you've done for us. And we do thank you for where you've brought us from. And now, Lord, here we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But, Lord, the devil gets us to forget about eternity and to lose sight of the future. And instead, all we can see is the immediate. We lose sight of even what you've done in the past. He's such a deceiver. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with uh, each and every one in this room. Lord, there may be those that are lost in their sin in a need of Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless and move and work in each life. 
Help them to come to Christ today. And Lord, if there's someone that knows Christ already but has not given their best to you, may they settle it today and say, I'm not going to go back to that old lifestyle. I'm not going to allow sin to get a grip in my life again. I'm not going to permit myself to somehow lose sight that Christ is all in all and he's enough. I'm going to stay free indeed in Jesus and I'm just going to keep serving him and commit my life to him even more than ever. Father, bless us today, we pray. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every